Hi, this is Kara Swisher, and I want to talk to you about my new podcast for The New York Times called Sway. If you want to know what people who hold power in our world are really all about, you need to hear how they answer the tough questions. And that is my specialty. And although it might get messy, as it always does, it's also going to be really fun. You can get Sway wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes are available Mondays and Thursdays. Welcome, welcome to the Trampoline Hall podcast. I am your host, Misha Globerman. Trampoline Hall, as I'm sure you know, is a lecture series that takes place in a bar, usually in Toronto, sometimes in other cities. People give lectures on all sorts of topics, with the one restriction being that they cannot speak on topics on which they are professionally expert. It cannot be their job to know the thing. After each lecture, we take questions from the audience. Uh, This is the Trampoline Hall podcast, which takes place not in a bar, but uh, in your podcasting brain. Uh, On each episode, we go through our archives and choose a lecture uh, for you to enjoy. If you enjoy this podcast and you're ever in Toronto, you should come see the live show. It's great. If you want to know when it is, you can go to our website and join up for the email list. Uh, By the way, uh, this episode uh, may contain mature language, like everything in the world. Uh, on this episode, we will be enjoying uh, the following lecture. The topic is Ritalin, and the lecturer is Stephen DeLong. Can I see a show of hands if you've ever heard of Ritalin? Oh, everybody. Can I see a show of hands if anybody knows somebody who's ever used or taken Ritalin? Can I see a show of hands if you've ever taken Ritalin? Oh. Each morning, I would take a small white pill with breakfast before rushing to brush my teeth and hop on the school bus. The school bus experience was always an interesting one, with children all around squawking and gossiping. But I would sit quiet, staring out the window, noticing every house brick, every leaf on every tree, while toning into everyone's conversation. I was so on, but so off. ADD is a behavior disorder caused by low levels of neurotransmitters in the frontal lobe of the brain. It is characterized by inattention uh, and a combination of impulsivity and hyperactivity. No single cause has yet been confirmed, but it's apparent that it's an affliction affecting an increasing number of the population at a drastic rate. As a generation of convenience and instant gratification, that is, the echo generation, um, is now moving into parenthood, it is concerning that they, how they may instinctively approach this diagnosis, which will afflict so many of our children. I'm going to talk to you about Ritalin and ADD, hoping to bring about a child's first-hand perspective. I'll take you through the who, why, what, where, and when. The characteristics of what we know today as ADD were first discovered by a German physician um, and were represented in his children's book by two characters. No joke. Fidgety Phil and Harry who looks in the air. In 1902, a physician described a disease characterized as resulting from an impairment in moral character. This impairment resulted in a child's inability to internalize rules and limits and also manifested itself in patterns of restless, inattentive, and over-aroused behaviors. 
Following an influenza epidemic with encephalitis in 1918, we're getting into information time, the connection between ADD and brain damage became apparent where some recovering children exhibited symptoms of restlessness, inattention, impulsivity, and hyperactivity. When many other cases were seen with similar behavior manifestations, but without clear evidence of brain damage, the condition of minimal brain dysfunction was defined. After a shift in focus from brain damage to behavioral manifestations, hyperactivity was defined as the primary impairment causing inattention in 1980. Here, ADD was defined. As mentioned, there's no single cause um, that's been determined for ADD, although there are several factors that may lead to ADD. Uh, the, most common one supposed, the most common supposed cause is genetic transmission. However, premature birth, traumatic injuries to the brain, exposures in utero to alcohol, lead, and infections such as meningitis in young children can also contribute. An ADD diagnosis must meet the following criteria. The child must exhibit six hyperactive behaviors, three impulsive behaviors, and nine uh, inattentive behaviors that, um, that occur inappropriately often for what's expected for the individual's age. The behaviors need to be present for at least six months, need to have stretched, uh, started before the age of seven, need to cause significant impairment in more than one setting, and should not be the result of another mental disorder. The latter point is key as 50 to 70% of children with ADD also have a coexisting condition such as depression or learning disorder. ADD may present as a symptom of another condition. Uh, another condition. Ugh. So, in 1937, children received a drug called Benzedrine to relieve headaches caused by spinal taps as part of a diagnostic procedure, resulting in an observation of improved behavior. Later in 1944, methylphenidate, known as Ritalin, was synthesized in Europe in an attempt to create a stimulant that would not induce addiction or tolerance. This Ritalin was first approved and introduced to U.S. market for the treatment of drug-induced lethargy, mild depression, and narcolepsy. It acquired its trade name Ritalin in the 60s when it was marketed as a drug to improve the memory of geriatric patients and for the treatment of various behavioral problems in children. Ritalin fo uh, Ritalin's focus is to improve the child's affliction in the areas of learning, behavior, social skills, and emotional state. It enables a child to have normal levels of neurotransmitter, dopamine, until such time as their nerve cells are capable of producing adequate levels on their own. The idea is that the child will acquire and adapt to the behaviors while on the medication such that they will be able, at a time in the future, to halt treatment and continue with a seemingly normal life. So it's essentially meant to be a learning tool. Medication for ADD is deemed to be required as behavior modification therapy is based on rewarding desirable behavior and ignoring undesirable behavior. This is often ineffective in children with ADD as desirable behaviors in too infrequently displayed to allow reinforcement. <laughs> undesirable behavior may be so disruptive or dangerous that it cannot be ignored. In social situations, furthermore, where parents and teachers are not present, the child may not uphold the desired behavior. Ritalin is short-acting and does not accumulate in the body. It takes about 30 minutes to one hour after administration, and it lasts uh, 36, three to six hours, depending on dysology. Most children require treatment until they reach 16 to 18 years old, but about half of those with ADD will continue treatment into their adulthood. It is similar to... 
I find that taking Ritalin is similar to chugging a grande Americano. <laughs> Over the next 20 minutes, you'll suddenly have, be, have a lot of energy. You'll be very alert, focused, motivated, and a little shaky. The short-term effects, most of which I can tell you are very real, are decrease of appetite, insomnia, headaches and abdominal pain, mood changes, over-focus, or what I call zombifying, or rebound. Rebound is known as when the medication wears off and there's a large, um, and there's like a large burst of energy and, uh, and attentiveness. The only long-term effect noted is growth suspension, but this is temporary and does not affect overall adult growth. Despite being a stimulant like cocaine, caffeine, and speed, Ritalin does not cause drug addiction when taken orally. Children with ADD are naturally at higher risk for substance abuse than other children. Ritalin has been shown to reduce this risk. This is a controversial approach of fighting drugs with drugs. Amongst other controversies is the idea that being a stimulant, it's not allowed by the Olympic Committee. There's also the idea of cosmetic pharmacology, which is to give medication for a condition whose chief trait is failure to perform up to one's potential or to manage one's life efficiently. In other words, to enhance a particular aspect of personality in place of treating a disorder. In viewing more students and parents turning to Ritalin um, will augment the influence for others to be curious. For years, psychiatry had blamed parents for child behavior issues, but now the increasing prevalence of ADD is allowing parents to medicate their children and apply the ADD label, leaving all involved parties free of blame or responsibility for the condition, which still has unknown causes. Children with ADD, however, can also be seen as a virtue. Scientists believe that one reason children with ADD may excel at creative tasks is that their brains are wild in a way that limits inhibition. Children with ADD thrive on visual imagery and stimulation. Because of this, they're naturally attracted to computers, which are accelerating the rate at which uh, new information and knowledge can be disseminated and tolerated. Because they're less intimidated in their thinking, and even more easily distracted by linear and logical thought, many children with ADD are able to see connections and associations between seemingly disparate things. As well, despite being poor followers, their maverick nature allows them to be excellent leaders. Think of Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn. Tom's indifference to schooling and Huck's oppositional behavior would surely be cause for concern in 2011. And let me tell you, on Ritalin, that would be a boring story. <laughs> we reside in a situation now where poorly funded schools claim ADD is a, pro a medical problem. Medical industry and insurance companies in the U.S. particularly contend it's on educational or psychiatric matter. Few parents have the funds to pay for additional tutoring, private school, or the comprehensive testing or follow-up required for treating a complex neuro uh, neurobehavioral problem. Ritalin is an, is an economical solution to this dilemma and one that enables us to ignore its social basis. When relying on it so heavily, we fail to pursue opportunities for prevention and long-term cures. Thank you. Stephen DeLong, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to the Trampoline Hall Podcast. I'm Misha Goldman. Up next, the Q&A. Are there, are there any questions? Any questions? Uh, yes, you, sir, yes. So, in, in doing this research, um, I'm, I'm lots of 
some ideas uh, or at least hopes about like uh, cures, solutions, different perspectives on how to observe this phenomenon. So the question is whether 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 you have have thoughts on how to how to treat how to how to improve this. I don't really have any thoughts on further treatment, but I did find it alarming that if between I think the like the numbers were like between six and fifteen percent of the population is afflicted with ADD. If this is a prevalent condition, then maybe it's something that we could perhaps. Um, re sort of focus ourselves to more to embrace because it is a significant. Um, part of our population. What do you mean to embrace? Um, as opposed to suppressing or medicating children and adults to be more compliant in right. such a norm, um, to embrace this difference. I just say this is just another way that people can be. Is that the thought? Like to be exactly. Okay. Yeah. And what would that? What would that look like? Uh, <laughs> it, it, at first, it, I think it would be a bit different. Right. But as I mentioned, there are, there are also virtues to the condition. Right, the, the, the greater greater creativity and, and leadership. Yes, so there's the biggies, the, the maverick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> maverickness. Because that's a and so it's a, it's a tough sell trying to convince society that it needs more mavericks. <laughs> it's not something that. That's true. Yeah. All right. Okay. Oh yes. Oh yes. Yes. You near the back. Yes, on the, out on the ledge. Yeah. So did you miss parts of yourself when you started taking? Did you miss parts of yourself when you started taking? It was a really, it was a weird experience. Um, I found that when I took it, um, a part of myself would sort of disappear, but I would also be able to engage with information and with other people in a social setting in a way that I would otherwise have inhibited myself by letting the rest of myself be active. Um, and, I, and I found that when on the Ritalin, I did acquire in sort of subduing that part of myself, I was able to acquire the social skills to be able to move forward and leave and leave you know a seemingly normal life um, without the challenges that I did incur when um, I was on ADD. Um, I remember by during the day I would be very very focused, and then um, at the end of the day when rebound would set in. A rebound is like when the Ritalin like the Ritalin hangover kind it's, of. It kind right. of yeah, when it wears off, um, I would just come running home screaming and would just <laughs> drop my bag and jump in the pool clothes on and just like go crazy so <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like the best of both worlds really uh, yeah <laughs> how, how old were you, how old were you how old were you when you went on it uh, i went on it when i was eight and i came off of it when i was 14 and do you remember the decision to go on it like were you involved in that decision like were you or were you like did you have a strong awareness that you were going to start taking this drug uh i was not involved in the decision in the decision to go on it right. but i was involved in the decision to keep myself on it and when it would be appropriate to stop treatment if to stop treatment. Okay, all right. And when you went on it, did you have like, were you like, oh, this is a big deal? Like, did you know? Like, you were like, oh, this is I thought I was getting vitamins. Oh, right. (laughs) (laughs) Did they not not even tell you? Were they just like, here, eat this kid? Or were they like... I can't really remember. Okay. (laughs) All right. Um, uh, uh, Yes, you, sir, near the back, yeah. Is it possible to uh, overdose on Ritalin? Can you overdose on Ritalin? Uh, I cannot speak to, I don't know. Is anyone? Is there a pharmacologist in the audience? I assume there is. Can you? Does anyone know? Someone thinks she thinks. I think so too. All right. Well, there's two people of us here who think so. Do you have? Do you have a reason to? Do you know more than I do? You're an addiction therapist. Okay. So you would. Okay. So you think you can? Okay. So yes, you can. Why? Why do you ask? Why? Why are you curious? Oh, I was just wondering what happens if you have too much. What happens if you have too much? Do you learn a lot? 
<laughs> you just become like too well behaved and studious. And... You become president. <laughs> Politics. Uh, oh yeah, you sir, near near the front. So were you better at school? Yeah, were you better at school when you took it? Um uh, things changed. Actually, I think that it was also what happened was when I was diagnosed, it's personal sharing time. Um <laughs> There was also the awareness within my school community that I had this affliction. And knowing that I had the affliction, there was also a different treatment that came with that. Um, so, All right. so people think we're like, oh, you're no longer just like a troublemaker. You're a kid who has a right. condition. Okay. Yeah. So I think that with that, um, the, my educational interactions did change, but I don't think it was specific to the medication. Oh, that's interesting. So you just think, wow. Yeah. So, so tell me more about that. So they, 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 were, so they just like treated you better? They were like... There, there was a change in treatment. Uh, and there were other programs that were also introduced. Oh, you went into like the special Ritalin, the special ADD the, the, kid the program? Ritalin, the Ritalin room. Where they, just, where they just have you like run around for a long time. Like <laughs> read a page of a book and then run around or read a page of a book. Um, well, there are like special education programs for people with special needs. And depending on where you are within the ADD realm, there are different programs that are introduced to you okay. specific uh, to your condition. And, that was, and those, those things were, they, they seem good. And those good. things were introduced, yeah. Very good, okay, cool. Anything else? Anything else? Uh, yes, you ma'am, with, yes, you ma'am, with your hand, your hand, with your hand down. I was wondering, like, based on your experience, would you put your children on? Would you put your children on, on Ritalin? Uh, pres presumably they had ADD, I, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, kids, it's Thursday night. Um... You know, I, I don't know. I do, I do recall that there were benefits, but there are also drawbacks. Um, and I think that now that we're learning much more about it, uh, and considering the prevalence, um, I would also, I would be willing to investigate alternative, venue, uh, alternative therapy routes. But I think that also the ADD label might be over-applied, and that could be um, a separate issue to also sort of look into um, in terms of the, the validity of the diagnosis. Do you think there's like a... Okay, never mind. I'm going to ask someone else's question. I have a question. I'm going to go... Yes, you in the back. Yes, you in the back. Yeah, yes, you, Carl. Um, so I was on the route for about three years as a kid, and one of the things that I find about that period is that I don't remember that period of my childhood as well as I remember. So you don't remember your Ritalin years? So I wonder, do you find that your memory of that time is different at all? Is your memory of... So the, so the, so the question is whether your memory of your Ritalin years is fuzzier or, or just worse than other years? You know, it, it's hard to say because when you look back at your, like, you, all that you know really is your own memory. So it's difficult to gauge whether or not your memory is any foggier than it should be. Um, but I can say that there are periods that are difficult to recall, but that could also just be um, young age. Um, but that is, that is very possible. But so you said you were, you remember the years before and the years after better than the years when you were on Ritalin, mm. right? Right. Maybe you just had more memorable times. <laughs> <laughs> it's possible too. Um, uh, uh, yes, you, ma'am. Yes. I was just wondering how was the transition of going off it? What was it like going off of it? Was it sixteen that you went off? Uh, I went off when I was fourteen. Fourteen. Yeah. Um, I, uh, when, when you move to halt the treatment of Ritalin is when you are at a point where you're confident that you no longer need this development tool. Um, and Ritalin is a drug that can be stopped without any sort of implications. Um, it's meant to be started very quickly and stopped very quickly. Um, 
And it became, and the way that I approached it was sort of a test where I would go two days on, three days off, and see sort of how it worked until it was safe to, to look behind. Yeah. School was all right after that. Did, did, did you, do you, um, do you like, did you like other drugs? Like when you became a teenager or after? Not until way after. Because <laughs> I wonder how that would affect it. Like it just seems like if you're like, oh, if a really early thing is like, oh, like you have this problem where you don't like the way you're thinking and you take a pill and you, now you think differently. Like I wonder if that would sort of be like, oh, now I don't like that things aren't melting enough or whatever other, <laughs> whatever other problems it might have. Well, the, the experience you have with Ritalin is not necessarily a pleasurable one. Okay. Though it's a stimulant, you don't get a sense of a rush. You, right. You're just very focused. So right. it isn't a leisurely thing to, to take orally. Um, but... You, know, you keep saying that like, like the cool kids were smoking it or something. Or... Th- uh, that is a separate issue. Okay. <laughs> Is that true? Is there like a recreational use? Or it it, 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 it or can have like recreational uh, uses, which is separate. But um, in a study um, in kids that, with ADD who were on treatment and who were not on treatment, they found the kids that were treated with Ritalin had an 85% lowered risk of substance abuse later in life. Yeah, you were saying. Um, because in, like, inattentive, hyperactive children um, tend to lead more hedonistic um, lifestyles. Right. That may, I guess, yeah, given the, yeah, yeah, you could see how that would have a greater effect. That makes sense. Okay. Mm. All right, cool. Um, uh, uh, all the way in the back, in the back row. Yes, you, you in the back row. Yes. Um, after you wean yourself up, did you ever take it recreationally? Did you ever take Ritalin recreationally after you st- stopped um, taking it medicinally? I stopped taking it when I was 14, and I haven't really looked back. <laughs> okay. why, why do, why, have, have you? Are you curious about it? Like, you just want to know what it's like? Or? I don't know how to get it, but I was, I was interested, so, yeah. Okay, all right. Is there anyone here who has taken Ritalin recreationally? Is that true? You have taken it? What, what is it? What is it like? You just have a great day. You get everything, <laughs> everything done. Really? So, so it actually just does the same thing that it does, and that's just pleasurable. That's like the nightmare drug. That's like if they, if only we get everyone everyone hooked on this drug that makes them really efficient and focused, and like they get they get things done and feel okay about it. And that's really it. There's not like. That's crazy. So this, this gentleman here recommends it, so everyone else. <laughs> I think that's probably enough peer pressure to set off a chain reaction among the entire Trampoline Hall audience who, who, are very, who are powerless against it. Um, I see someone against the wall. I can't see you well, so you intrigue me. Yes. Um, that's a good question. Did it make you less creative? In the time that I was on it, I can say that it did. Um, but... Uh, yeah, no, it, it definitely, it, it, you look at things in a lot more of a linear way. Um, so, yeah, it does, I think it does affect your, your sense of creativity because it can show itself as many, in many forms. Do, do you regret that? Uh, nope. Uh, well, I, my relationship with Ritalin was a very positive one. So, right. uh, but when I look back, I, yeah. Now that I'm no longer on Ritalin, um, ADD is something that never goes away. It's never cured. But you learn the Ritalin especially allows you to acquire coping mechanisms or to um, comply to social norms. And in so doing, um, not being on the Ritalin, I find that my sense of creativity or the way I am more inherent to look at things um, is different than when I was on it. 
So now, so now you think that you you look at things more differently, well, in, in like more creatively, in, or more? in more of a creative way. The initial impulse in terms of the information intake is a right. little bit different. Right. It's so it seems so hard to imagine things because also like you're a child. Mm -hmm. Like like I say things like it's so like I, I'm, I'm trying to imagine how you compare your present self to like your ten year old self. I guess to me, if I'm like, oh well, I, I see things more creatively than I did when I was ten, I'd be like, oh that's <laughs> that's a, that's a weird outcome. Okay. But well, it, it, it's that it's not so much that you're looking at things more creatively or you're playing like imagination all the time, but it's that you know that you're taking in information in a different way than you were at that time. Right. Okay. Okay. Cool. Anything else? Anything else? Um, uh, yes, you also near the back. Yes. What does it do to sexuality? Does it make it better or worse, is, is the question. In my research, I was actually really trying to focus on long-term effects of Bertolin because the long-term result, the long-term studies should be coming out about now, if not within the past five years. And the stunted growth one um, was one that I came across a lot, and that was the only one I came across. There were no references to sexuality. So in the long term, nothing so except anything. that... Do you just does stunted growth? Do you think good for sexuality? Bad? <laughs> Don't know. They just didn't want to go there. <laughs> so in the long term, as far as you know, no no effects on on, on sexuality. And in the in the near, near term, you're 11, so it's okay. <laughs> so, so 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 no one's no one's going to study that because that would be creepy. Um, all the way all the way in the back of the room, you have a question. Yes. You mentioned the, uh, benzedrine. You mentioned yep. That was a distant forerunner to Ritalin. Um, Benzogene was administered, and they noticed the behavioral changes in children. Um, and then a few years later, they tried to create this. I think that that then led to what accidentally became Ritalin and trying to create the stimulant that wasn't addictive. Uh, I don't know if Benzogene was addictive. Um, if only well, there was an addiction counselor in the room somewhere. Do you, is benzatrine addictive? Do you know if it's benzatrine? Benzatrine. Benzatrine street name Benny's. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing. I don't know. You don't think it's around anymore? So you can you can't even get benzatrine. Sorry. But benzatrine you can't even. It doesn't even exist anymore. So you couldn't get addicted to it now, because you so you don't know if it was because you're not a you're not an addiction historian. <laughs> All right. I, I have this, does anyone else have a sense? I think of Benzedrine is something that people got, got addicted to. I have this idea of it as like a kind of speedy thing that people, a few knowledgeable people from, from back in the day are nodding. <laughs> so we think, we think so. Did you have, did you have, sorry, was there a, did you have a question? Yes, you, sir. Oh, wow. okay. So, so you're curious about your relationships with people who you were friends with during that time. Do they see a difference with you? Before I went on the Ritalin, in my personal experience, um, I had a very hard time forming social connections. Um, was running around uh, bullying people, um, out of control, chasing the girls, like just, but actually chasing them. <laughs> <laughs> and then. I'm not kidding. <laughs> and then when I went on the Ritalin, it actually allowed me to start forming 
greater friendships <laughs> with <Did> people. You... <laughs> so. <laughs> did you, and did you? So, so you were. So that was. I guess part of what I was curious about was like, what kind of kid were you before? So you were like a, you were a bully. Is it true? I don't remember that time in my life very well, but my mother has told me many a story. Uh, well, okay, and I was so like what a did terrible... she like? What, like what sort of thing? What sort of terrible things did you do? Oh my god, I wasn't a good person. Right. Okay. So I, <laughs> there, are, there are so many things that bad people can do, and so I'd like to know which ones they, they did. We can talk about it later. No, no. <laughs> come on, just one thing. You can say one of the last incriminating things, and then we can oh my God. sort of imagine. We can imagine what the worst things were. I just remember like chasing people a lot. You would chase them. Like, were kids scared of you? Like, did you chase kids around? Yeah, like, I would and you chase were like them. A, you chase. were like a yeah. So you were like a chasing I, bully. Oh yeah, and I remember like I threw sand in some girl's eyes once. Yeah, <laughs> that's bad. Okay, yeah. so sand throwing and chasing, and just yeah. so you're you're mean. You're mean. You're mean. You're mean. And now you're not. I think. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, maybe, maybe I think we will end on that on that on that, up, on that uplifting note, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. That was Stephen DeLong, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Trampoline Hall was created in Toronto in the 21st century by Sheila Hetty and is hosted by me. The podcast is produced by Josh Block. Our theme music was composed by Matt Smith. This episode's lecture was chosen by Kelly Jenkins. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can also find us on Twitter or Facebook. Uh, if you enjoyed the podcast, it really helps us out if you leave a review on iTunes. Uh, please go ahead and do that. It helps a lot. I'm Misha Globerman. Thanks for listening. <laughs>